Rough Days in Showbiz welcome you, but don't welcome them back. I have two really cool guests here today. They are, we, I, there's an actor and a producer of an indie film that is now on Amazon, and I'm very excited. So let me go into it. Dr. Thea Kate, played by Nicole Galicia, is a forensic scientist with the Selenica Police Department. She is called to the scene of a crime by her friend, Detective Kurt Bloss. There's been a murder. Or has there? The body isn't anything like either one of them have seen, and the widow of the deceased issues a warning. It's in the light, she says. Soon the bodies start racking up, and the remains are just as baffling. With mounting pressure from Captain Rose, Thea and her forensics team must work quickly to find the culprit, if there is one. The more evidence they find, the less it seems like a human killer. But what could be behind these deaths? How can they stop it? And what, if anything, is in the light? Shimmer is a new indie horror created by filmmaker Rob Ciano, available on Blu-ray and DVD at Walmart, also available to stream on Amazon, Vudu, Dish, and In Demand, starring Nicole Galicia from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Django Unchained, and Kazi Toganas from The Equalizer 2, John Wick, and Dolomite is my name. Woo! <laughs> thank you guys for thanks. being here today. This yeah, thanks so for cool. having us. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. That was a dope intro. Thank you very much. It's cool to um I the not the synopsis is so cool. I was like, ooh, this could be like a um it reminded me of of like an old uh radio serial horror thing. Mm. You know, you're walking through the woods, suddenly you hear footsteps behind you, you know, that kind of thing. I like that. But you guys, I mean, Rob producing a film and Kazi acting, you guys obviously have a lot of rough day and showbiz stories. So let's get right into it. Who, who wants to go first? The writer wants to go first. The writer wants to go first. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yeah, why not? I guess you could start with, with being a writer. Um, yes. you know, being a writer is pretty much every day is a rough day as a writer or, you know, uh, it can be a rough day as a writer, um, you know, sitting down and, and actually getting yourself to the, to that place where you can, you know, take that risk and put something on the page. The writing process, I mean, uh, pretty much any day can be a rough day uh, as a writer because um, sometimes it takes a lot to really bring yourself to that place of being able to write, yeah. um, especially, uh, especially when you're really feeling that writer's block. Um, it, some of the best writing advice I've ever gotten is just, just put something on the page, just put anything on the page, because if you have something on the page, then you can edit what you have, but that doesn't make it any easier to put something on the page to begin with. For me, like when I'm writing, one thing that I'll do is I'll start a sentence and then I'll write another sentence and then they don't work right. So I'll get rid of both of them and I'll start over again. And then I don't like it. And then I'll start over again and I don't like it. And then, you know, 30 minutes will pass and I'll just be frustrated. And after a little while, I'll just sit there and stare at it and, you know, be angry at the page for a little while, you know? Um, yeah. but <laughs> that's, that's been, um, you know, a big part of, of, of my writing process is staring at a page and saying, just turn into something, you know, it's rough. But I guess that's part of why, like, when you actually do get something written, um, even if it's not 
good, one thing that I find myself doing is I just reread it over and over and over again and let the words kind of massage themselves into different like patterns in, you know, in my mind or, or I, I read it differently aloud um, and inflect different words. And it's just that, that process of creating um, and finding the right way to do it, which in and of itself can be rough because when you have that moment where you really are trying to express something and the words just won't form the way that you need them to, you know, yeah. or when you have to leave that and come back to it, it's rough. It, it, it hurts because you want to, you want to get it right. Um, but it's, it, it, you know, you just can't, you have to, you have to pick and choose your battles. That is so frustrating when you can, you can hear it and, and you're writing it. I, I've tried writing before. This is why I don't usually write because it's like you hear it and, and you just, you can't quite grasp what ex that exact line is. And then you come mm -hmm. back to it and it's gone. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I don't even know what I was, you know, what I wanted them to say anymore. Like, it's just, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. That's difficult. Yeah. It's amazing because especially when you're trying to convey a certain feeling and emotion, something that doesn't actually exist in the, you know, context of words, you know, um, you know, different, different emotions that you feel like you can, you can use a word like anger, but anger has different levels. It means different things in different contexts and somebody can be angry in one way and somebody else can be angry in a different way. And it's sort of like, you know, you as a writer want to convey this thing in such a way that your audience understands it. So it's, it's almost, it, it, it's so much trial and error. And, and sometimes like for me, like I'll, I'll work on a scene five, six, seven, eight times. I'll put it down for three months and come back to it later. Like that's, you know, but as I said too, like then when you finally get it, like it means, it means more because you've massaged it and you've worked it and it, and it, you know, it, it has found some kind of meaning and, and maybe it's still not exactly right, but you know, it, it's, it's just massaging. It's, it's finding it. Yeah. I mean, especially with Shimmer, having watched it myself, um, there's, um, Kazi with your character, there's like a, there's like a whole other subplot, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Kurt's, Kurt's a complicated dude. Yeah. Or not, depending on your perspective. Complicate from the beginning. I was like, what, what, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but I was like, what's up? Uh, what's up? What's going on here? There was a, a hostility there from the first scene that I was like, that's interesting. That's odd. Stuck out to yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun character to play. I mean, you know, regarding, regarding this film, you know, there, there as is just acting in it. Uh, there weren't any rough days for me. Uh, you know, Rob and I spoke before we started the project. I kind of let him know how I worked huh. um, and what I like to bring to uh, when I'm cast in films. Um, you know, TV doesn't have that flexibility, but uh, film, you know, we really, you kind of get to delve into the character a little bit more, almost, almost like you were, you know, taking a theatrical approach because you mm. have a little more, you got a little more time. Um, you got takes, you know, you can kind of find that happy medium. I, I really like to ad lib a lot um, and, oh. and kind of find, find, you know, work with the dialogue as, as kind of like a template. And I think, you know, I was really happy that Rob was totally into that because you can, I think you can find a really unique, interesting space that you can bring yourself into the role when there's a certain level of flexibility when it comes to Rob, especially Rob's being a writer and director. So he has a specific dialogue like he's written in his head, but 
Um, you know, I've worked on some, I've worked on, you know, a lot of big projects, but for me, like a big turning point for me, realizing that there is a flexibility and that good directors like to see what their actors bring uh, was on Equalizer 2 and Antoine Fuqua. Um, all my lines in that film are ad-libbed. Wow. Yeah. And there was, you know, the first day that I was on set, Antoine walks up, you know, introduced, you know, welcome to the production, da da. And, you know, us three villains are standing there and he goes, So what are we saying in the scene today, fellas? <laughs> cool. <laughs> wow, so nice. That's not a rough day in showbiz. That's a great day in showbiz because yeah. you know, it's like a learn, you, you just learn something. Like you're like, wait, like, you know, because you go and you go, you know, you you get out there and you get all this advice, right? And that's like oh, yeah. kind of like for actors, every day is essentially could be a rough day in showbiz, depending on where you're getting your sources of information, right? So, and opinions and people tell you this. So you you get with someone, you know, you take a class and, you know, they tell you, you read exactly what's on the page. Then you go and you get in front of like a, you know, Oscar nominated award-winning director like Fuqua and he goes, what you feel like saying? You know, uh, that's really nice. <laughs> there's levels to this, right? So, and it really comes down to the directorial style. So, you know, I I personally had a I, I had a lovely experience on Shimmer just because I thought you know Rob really assembled a great team. You know, Freya Saxon, who was the producer. I mean, she she worked her butt off from a distance. You know, she she produced the whole film from like Texas and was like it felt like she was on set. You know, Nicole, really talented actress, also had done a bunch of big projects. Yeah. Really, really low key, like totally down to work. Let's get it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was not, excellent. Not a, yeah, no, no, no complaints. So like when you when you're coming, when you know, we got to lead a film, you know, you're carrying kind of a burden. So for me, on the acting side of it, I don't know what you know, I don't know what went on with Rob, if he was pulling his hair out, smashing his head into the wall while he was writing the movie. But once <laughs> only we a there, little bit, nah, not you know, too much. <laughs> Once we were there and we were doing it, you know, we were doing it. And I really, I, I, I really enjoyed working on the film. I mean, I think there's one scene in the film that's almost entirely improv. Um, the scene oh. in the car between Nicole mm -hmm. and, and Kurt, when he's like, you know, what's going on? You're like having a meltdown. And she's yeah. Like, have I not been right. Yeah. We, we, that was basically that was all improv that scene. Yeah. There was, yeah. there was wow. a scene written. Um, but, uh, you know, as Kazi was talking about before, like, you know, he, he, you know, said early on, like, you know, he likes to play with dialogue and find what works for the character. And when we came to this scene, um, Kazi and Nicole and myself, you know, we, we all kind of just talked about like, all right, well, let's see how this dialogue happens. If you guys just stay in character is kind of what we did. Right. We just yeah. said we wanted to hit these points and, and yeah. literally you guys were in the car ahead of us with our director of photography and sound person in the back seat. And we were in a follow car, just letting the conversation happen. And I would call on a, on a, on a phone and give some direction here or there. But the, yeah, that scene was almost entirely improv. Wow. That, that was a heavy scene too. Yeah. And, and that was one of those things, right? Like if, if you're an actor and you have to stay in these really tight guidelines, you know, it's not like we had 20 days of rehearsal. So like Nicola knew exactly when she was going to hit her emotional, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. a lot that needed to be worked out, but, but by giving us the flexibility of getting into, you know, not being like locked in by dialogue, but just by points that we had to hit. Um, I think we were able to just like, I, that's my favorite scene in the movie. Uh, yeah. 
you know, or, or when I throw the beer in the bartender's face. Yeah. That's a good scene. That's a good scene too. Um, which also was another one where Rob just let me just go off. Um, Oh man. Yeah. That was, I don't want to spoil anything though. (laughs) I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and I think that's when you really, you know, when you collaborate, that's when you find your best stuff. You know, I, I can give a lot of examples, um, you know, of rough, of rough particular days. I think, I think overall, when you come in at this as like a career path. So if you have any actors that are your listeners, right. Um, you yourself, you're an actor, right? So, yes. Um, I've, I've looked at my career as like, you know, you book projects and, um, the most sad, it's funny where you get the most satisfaction out of projects. I, I think in the majority of the things that I've booked, it's always been like a win with a twist, right? Like you're like, oh, this is so great. And then you show up and then you're like, oh, this was not remotely as great as I thought it was. <laughs> but when I you, thought you know, I was just cynical. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know, I can, I did a project. Um, I auditioned. I had like multiple scenes lots and lots of dialogue and then like you know day or two before i was supposed to show up they're like he, he's not gonna have any dialogue anymore it's going to all the other guys uh, that he's in the scene with um mm-hmm. and i was just like right, that's cool i'll be i'll be the glorified extra i'll make you know i'll do what i can with it um you know i've i uh i did a, a film uh where i had a extensive fight scene um, that had been rehearsed for like six, seven weeks that got completely cut out. Oh um, man. Two, day, two days before we were supposed to shoot it, you know, after oh, I got extensively, um, with stunt team and you know, the whole thing, uh, Holy crap. Very, very, very disappointing things that happen, right. As an actor, when you're, when you're in it and you're like, wow, this is going to be, this is going to be like a glorious moment. Like this is going to be epic for me. Yeah. And even midway through production and you're rehearsing and you're, you know, doing everything that you have, you, you spend, I remember there for that particular fight scene, um, there was one punch that was bothering me. So I literally stood in the mirror because they showed me on camera what, why I wasn't reading. Cause you know, they do previs for fight sequence where the stunt team comes in and they bring camera and they shoot the stunt team. And then that goes on to director who picks and chooses the shots that he wants to use, et cetera. So um, there was one punch that just wasn't landing right. So I literally sat in the mirror one day for an hour and just worked on this kind of like awkward shot that I was supposed to throw like this left hand. And I'm, I'm you know, I box, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm a righty, so I don't box southpaw. And they wanted to kind of throw this left hand almost like a southpaw. And I was having a really hard time with it. Um, so for like an hour, I sat in the mirror at the hotel, just like throwing it over and over and over again only to like two days later, find out that there, that the whole thing was getting dropped. Oh, so I've had a lot of, you know, I got, it does suck. I got stories, man. I got stories. I had a friend of mine did a huge movie, huge, big, big multi, multi multi-million dollar film. Right. Super excited. Super excited. Great dialogue. Going to be in scenes with the leads. Like excellent. Wow. Shows up on set. Um, you know, you go to your fitting or whatever. He's going to be there for a few weeks too. This is not just like a short little stint. He's not there for a couple of days. He's there. He's got a solid role. You know, three weeks on a big film is pretty good, right? So he goes into wardrobe and they start fitting him and he's got all these kind of cool, like, you know, camo type clothes and everything. And then uh, the wardrobe goes, okay, and this is going to be your mask. And it's literally <laughs> like whole face covered 
totally not not written anywhere in the script of the sides that this is what was gonna the character was masked right <laughs> so he was like oh damn you know he's like i'm gonna I'm just going to be like one of them, be like a stormtrooper. Like no one's <laughs> going to know who I am. Right. And you know, for an actor, like you want people to see your face. Like that's kind of like, you know, um, so he talks to wardrobe. He's like, listen, you know, I, I'm thinking like, is there any way around this? You know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to like cut my hair, like cut my beard and, and make it all look crazy and just do like this whole hairstyle. Just make me look totally nuts. So they're like, you know what, let's talk to hair. So they goes, he talks to the head of hair department. Hair department is all over. They're like, yo, this is going to be awesome. You're going to, we're going to do these crazy things. You know what, actually, you know what, let's just go for it and see what the director says. So they get him in this chair, they cut his hair, they make his beard look crazy, make him look like, you know, just make him look scary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They call the director, director comes in. Oh man, what a great, yo, I can't believe I didn't even think of this. This is such a great idea. I love the look. The look is so great. I'm, he's like, I'm, this is going to be awesome. This is, this is even better. This has exceeded my expectations. Wow. So they, they go to set and uh, he goes, first scene, lays it down, no mask. He's like, da 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 Director goes, I love that, man. That was great. Now let's do one with the mask. <laughs> Classic. Classic Hollywood. Classic trickery. Mm -hmm. Classic mm -hmm. Hollywood. What kind of, I'm just wondering what kind of mask it was. Was it, is it just like a SpongeBob SquarePants mask just throughout the whole movie? Just some, some ridiculous. Like, I mean, I look after they did my boy dirty like that, I wasn't going to go see that film. So I don't even know what ended up happening in it. Um, that, but that I can, is such I can, a bummer. Yeah. I can, I have so many stories of friends that have gone through events like that, you know, because I have a lot of friends that have been like in, in the, in the mix you know, you've seen them in a, in, in a lot of stuff, but everybody has at least two, three, four, five stories where uh, they thought something was going to be epic. And mm -hmm. uh, it just, it was a victory with a twist. And at the end of the day, you know, you get your check and, you know, you're thankful for that. You know, don't, I don't take that away from anyone. Like you book an acting gig, it, it is this, it is usually uh, really worth your time financially. Uh, because we don't book that often. So when you do, you should be compensated, right? So, yeah. Um, but it's it's funny because it just kind of reinforces that the uh, the industry just kind of looks at actors um, as, a, as a whole as extremely expendable and replaceable. And uh, I think that uh, that that, you know, just, you know, not to take a big shot at my union, but like they, uh, you know, they, they kicked all the all the people over 65 off the health plan. Right. Cause they don't, I saw that. Yeah. Right? That was really right? bad. So yeah, that's bad. So that's, I mean, that's kind of like the, I feel like that's kind of like the attitude towards actors. And it's really a shame because people put a lot of time, effort and money into their craft um, only to just kind of have it viewed as something as disposable. Uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of difficult. It's kind mm. of like a difficult to place to be in. If that's, if that indeed is like your career path, which is why, I've always been a huge proponent of developing like your own content, you know, or like taking control as much control as you possibly can creative control, et cetera, et cetera. I saw uh, that. I saw that you produced a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, I didn't really have any horrible days on shimmer, but, um, standing eight that I produced and, and, and acted and, and co-wrote, uh, we ended up losing our third day, uh, to shoot the climax of the film. So it wasn't even like a thing we could be like, uh, we, the movie can still have a story without is there was no story without the climax. 
uh, and it was at at a at a gym in uh, Hoboken. And I don't know. There's somewhere along the way a miscommunication occurred between production and and the location, and the location actually had another film booked that day. Uh, oh, so our mm. our first our first grip showed up to set, and he said, uh, "Hey guys, there." He called he called the director and said, "I think something's going on right now." Um, oh my god! So um, double film yeah. crew. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so luckily, you know, we were able to call everyone back because this, that one particular grip liked to show up an hour or two before call as just to get a sense of where he was going to be. And wow, we were very that's lucky good. That, that happened right before everybody started to swoop in for the day. So quickly we went out and called, you know, of course we called, I think only a couple of people who are already en route or whatever. So we were able to, to get everybody to come back and um, we were left with no choice but to clearly cancel which then i felt like the right thing to do even though we we're a really really small budgeted project was to pay everyone for a, a stipend for that day because there were people who had taken off from day jobs etc cetera, etc cetera. so um you know we we still paid out the stipend and then uh we had to schedule the same the same location because i you know it was just one of those things where you know shit happens you yeah know, we, that's we really nice of you to do but that just you know, it just happens. Right. So, um, we weren't going to take like an insurance day or try to, I just didn't want to go through all that, you know? So we scheduled out same location two weeks later, uh, which in turn was going to cost a substantial amount of more money. I think it, I think it totaled out to over $8,000 to bring back everyone that day. Um, when you're talking about our, we went our budget for the the, to, to go into production, I think was like 18. Uh, cause it was a short film, right? So we had 18. So that day ended up costing, um, a substantial amount of money. That was like our lighting package m- was like really expensive because it was specific to that day where we were shooting the climax. Uh, and you know, we brought everybody back. I think we only lost maybe one or two crew members and we lost catering. So then I had to completely order out for everyone at like a local restaurant and have you know, food, you know, brought in. Um, so it was just, you know, it was like, it was one of those things. And, uh, you know, I didn't really didn't at the time, I didn't really stress over it because like, it was just like something, it, you know, you can get mad about it or you can just handle it and move on. So unfortunately, I mean, I ended up having to go back to Kickstarter to raise more money for post-production and to cover, you know, oh. part of the cost for that day. So Mm. film that only we only were planning initially to do one kickstarter but uh with that additional day it were, there was no way that we could make it work financially so i ended up after we wrapped principal i had to go back to kickstarter to do a whole nother round of fundraising to be able to finish the film it was a Man. rough day in showbiz right <laughs> yes i admire your tenacity to to do that though to like because uh, people people often give up you know, they'll just leave it in post-production hell and just, you know, they'll just say, well, I don't know, I'm still working on it. And then it just never, never happens, you know? You know, I've read way too many self-help books to let that happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. No, I, there's just no way you have... Uh, we, we went to Kickstarter with the specific purpose of, of using this project as raising lupus awareness. So yeah. I, I had no choice but to finish. You know, there was no you know there was no turning back it was a burn the ships type of a situation you know Ugh. um 
And That's I don't know awesome. if you've heard of that saying. It's basically saying if you want to win the war, you burn your own ships. So if your soldiers want to return home, you go back with the other guy's ships. <laughs> yeah. That's the whole, that's where that comes That's from. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Sorry, Rob. I took up a lot of time with that. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> no. Don't worry. I remembered that story. You told me that story years ago. I remembered that about the mask. Oh, yeah. It's ugly. Yeah. Ugly. Yeah. I mean, there's other ones I got. Um, writers wrote a whole scene for another buddy of mine, and then the director shows up and is like, All right, all the lines are going to that guy. I mean, mm-hmm. damn. Know, yeah. So many. I mean, literally, you know, for like a recurring role, and then they just totally gave all the lines to the other actor, even though the writer specifically had written it for him. Just, you know, it's just, yeah. So many, so many instances where you're just like, wait, what? How, you know, Hollywood stars can step in and say, you know what, you've got to, your, your lines are too cool. I have a friend who did a movie um, and, uh, and one of the Hollywood stars and it got pissed because he had all the fun lines in the scene. <laughs> they were playing cards and, and dude was like, I'm taking those lines and got him fired off the project. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That is insane. Yep. Got him fired because he didn't like the fact that his character was going to steal the scene. Oh, I feel like, I mean, I'm just glad that nowadays that seems to be called out more and um, exposed more instances like that. Or or maybe it's just because, I don't know, I, I look at Twitter a lot, but <laughs> I, I guess it's still probably happening. I'd like uh, to think it's getting Someone's on better, set but... right now getting, getting yeah. the shit down. handed to them. Yeah, yeah, just right now. It's happening right now. Someone's on set like, what? What? No. I thought this was no. well, um, you know, if I could kind of piggyback off of that, off of that story and off that idea and just the idea of rough days, you know, in showbiz in general, I've found that when I have had a rough day in showbiz, it's because I am dealing with somebody who is not interested in collaborating or not interested in finding, you know, some kind of creative solution. Hmm. Um, I've found it a rough day when somebody said, no, this is the, you know, like, sh- sure. Yes. You, you do have confines, you know, when you're making a project, there are certain things you can and cannot do. Like you, you know, if your budget will not allow you to blow up an airplane, you can't blow up an airplane, you know, that's whatever. But, you know, if somebody comes up with a creative solution to address that, and then somebody else isn't willing to play along, or if somebody comes in and says, I don't like that you have these cool lines and I want them for myself or for my buddy. Well, that's not being collaborative. You know, that's, you know, that's everybody's going to have a rough day at that point. The director's going to have a rough day because they have to deal with, with drama. The actor's going to have a rough day because they wanted this time on, on camera and they wanted to have this spotlight. Now it's being taken from them by somebody who apparently has the ability to do that. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, um, we were on set on Shimmer, and uh, actually, um, we had a scenario very early on. Um, we had a location issue. Um, we were supposed to be at a particular location for, uh, like, you know, two or three days. Um, I think I think it was three days we were supposed to be at this location. And when we showed up, we learned that the person who um, owns the location, though we had had dialogue about what we were and weren't going to do. Uh, I don't know if they were intimidated by the, the number of people that showed up. I don't know if they were intimidated by what, but um, 
it became very clear that this person was not willing to collaborate. Uh, and I'm not somebody who's going to say it's my way or the highway, but there were certain things that were pretty reasonable um, that we would have, you know, expected, for example, access to, you know, restrooms or something to that effect. And, uh, <laughs> and there were, there were some pretty significant issues with just very various things. So we had to come up with a solution. You know, that was a rough day because, you know, we had to, um, it was our first day shooting, which is a little rough anyway. You oh man. Had a lot of people coming together who, uh, you know, may not have worked together before. Um, you know, some people have been able to meet beforehand and do a little bit of planning, but other people haven't. Um, everyone's meeting them each other for the first day. And here we are, um, at this place and we are having to push back shots and we're losing time and we're having to cut our shot list because the person who owned the location wasn't allowing us to do what we had previously agreed uh, we would be able to do. Uh. And so we had to make a rough call at the end of that day. We were supposed to go back to that location the very next day. And that evening I made the call and said, we're not going back. We have to find something else because this doesn't work. We took all of those scenes, we completely canceled that, that day of shooting. We took all those scenes, put them to the end of the project. And then Freya in Texas, um, our producer in Texas, who speaking of having, you know, a rough day in showbiz, uh, then had to scramble and find a new location for us that not only we could use just in general, but would be close enough in look to where we could still utilize the footage we shot the first day. Because we did get stuff in the can. We weren't going to be able to redo that. Oh. So Freya killed it by finding a location. The owner of this location was much more receptive and, and much more collaborative. And we did not have a rough day <laughs> when we were shooting there because this, this person really, you know, was invested in what we were doing, you know. It was very, it was, it was rough because, you know, there was, there were a good few days, maybe, maybe even more than a week where we just didn't know how we were going to get the rest of those scenes done. Um, you know, so you're on set and trying to focus on one thing and then you're thinking in the back of your mind, well, are we even going to be able to finish this? Uh, so oh. it was rough. There was also a safety issue because there was like a, a hornet's nest that was like in. Oh, there was a hornet's uh, nest. Yes, ex, you're right. Ex exterior. It was like, you know, it was like above a doorway. I mean, it, it was like, you know, it. Yeah. You would think if you're going to have a film crew show up, maybe you get rid of the hornet's nest first. I don't know. Yeah. 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 That, but, would, that would be helpful. Yeah. It was you a know. miracle. Nobody got stung, right? I don't, I don't think, think anybody, anybody got stung. Yeah, it was a Honestly, like if you had seen this thing, you would have, it was a miracle. It was like, it was like. Yeah. It was like alien resurrection in this place. Like, <laughs> they were Giant they weren't, even, they weren't even like little hornets. They were like, they were like, no, real, no, they were they serious. Massive hornets. They were real deal. You do they not were serious. Get, yeah. You don't want to get stung. They, they, they looked at you before they, you know. Oh my like, God. The location yeah. owner was like, there's your film location. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Film your exactly. movie yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy watching this. <laughs> wow. Hey, exactly. Might have felt like that a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, a little, little bit, a little, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as I said, like that's that's when that's when I've found there to be rough days. Um, you know, in my experience, I mean, a rough day in showbiz can happen for a variety of reasons. But you know, especially dealing with other people, I've found if you're willing to collaborate, um, and I, you know, I include myself in this too because you know, as 
as Kazi was talking about, like working on those scenes, like I'm a collaborative person. I, you know, if some, if an actor says that they can say a line, you know, in a way that makes a little more sense to them, you know, I, that to me is going to lead to a little more genuine performance. So I just need to make sure as director that it still has the same meaning to the scene. Um, but you know, if I'm the kind of director who's going to say, no, you know, we're going to read this line exactly the way it is. And it doesn't really matter that you don't think it's right for your character. You know, I'm creating a rough day for somebody. I'm, you know, creating a rough day for myself because now I have to deal with this distress rather than just like have a dialogue, you know? Yeah. Um, I can still say at the end of that dialogue, like, well, you know, I really feel like this line should be delivered in this way, you know, um, because that's what the job of the director is, is to make sure the story is told in, you know, the, the way that makes sense. But you have to, you have to leave room, especially for the actor. They're the one that is, they're the one that is, is portraying this character. If, if they feel like something is disgenuine uh, about what they're being asked to do, then it's going to come across as such on screen. So I, I need to be collaborative in that sense, because otherwise I'm doing the film a disservice. And I recommend people, I went on Amazon, go on Amazon and rent Shimmer. It's, and it's perfect for Halloween because we're right in Halloween. We actually shot in October of we 2019. Did. October, oh! November of 2019. Yeah. So this is the perfect time of year to watch the film, actually. This is it. It's Halloween time. Yeah. And, and what do you guys have coming up? So I have, uh, <laughs> I actually shot a second feature. Um, very nice. November of last year, November and December. It's a very, um, basically, a, a, you know, very, very small film. It's uh, kind of a love letter to the town that I uh, have been living in for the past three years called Asbury Park. Um, Asbury Park has a big music scene. It has a, a very rich history of uh, <laughs> the city by the sea. It has, uh, you know, very, very rich history. And uh, so I just kind of wrote this nice little uh love story, simple film about two people trying to, um, you know, take the reins of their lives for the first time. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe 80, 80% of the way done with that film. I'm hoping to have that come out next year. And I have a few other outlines and things that, uh, that I'm thinking about, uh, exploring next. So that's, what's on my radar right now. Very cool. And how about you, Kazi? Uh, I've got, uh, I'll be in an, an episode of American Rust coming out in a couple of weeks with Jeff Daniels. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, been, I've been doing a little bit of writing, uh, but, you know, things in the industry have been in, in, in such an upheaval as of late. Uh, I, I, I ended up, uh, in May, I got my, uh, my real estate license. So just expanding, expanding. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, if you're going to have a, a B job or whatever, you might as well do something that gives you the flexibility. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I, honestly, I've, I, I really love it. I, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. I'm still, you know, still getting started, but um, it, it's, it's something that I had already been considering uh, pre-pandemic. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, my wife and I talked about it and I was like, you know, this is something that really interests me and it would give me that, that flexibility and so we're, we're working on that, you know, still auditioning here or there, but it's been a, it's been, it's been a really slow year. So yeah, you know, in anticipation <laughs> as uh, to, to avoid a rough uh, day in showbiz, you know, you got to kind of, you got to plan ahead and, uh, and, and make sure that you, you know, that you don't put yourself in a place. Cause I know a lot of my acting brethren, they're like, well, if I'm not acting, I don't, I don't want to work or whatever, but you know, sometimes you got to do what you have to do to survive. You know what I mean? Like, cause of if you're, course. if you're it, it, that, that whole idea of like, 
you know, starving artist um, isn't cool for very long, you know? No, mm. it's never uh, cool. It's, yeah, uh, it's, yeah. it's a lot. It's been, and it affects performance to be honest. Oh yeah. If you're, if you're, if you don't have to worry about life, you can focus on what you need to do in that moment. So like mm-hmm. for uh, actors, your job is essentially to audition, right? Because you book what 5%, or something like that realistically it's yeah it's the lottery it's yeah yeah yeah, throw a lottery ticket yeah so it's it's all about just preparing for your auditions and being in a good headspace to to be able Mm -hmm. to to lay down good auditions because you have zero control over when um you're gonna book i have a friend who i've auditioned 12 times this year i have a friend who lay down over 100 this year uh and and just and just booked like a couple weeks ago so <laughs> that ratio has it's increased. A lot of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has a different path. I, you know, I auditioned, I auditioned 12 times and I booked the pilot and I booked American Rust. So I haven't heard anything about the pilot yet. So I don't know where that's at, where the, you know, where that show is gonna go. So I don't really have like an announcement. But um, as far as my producing side, I have a, a independent uh, award-winning short film called Standing Eight on Amazon Prime for free for Amazon Prime users it's about a box who gets diagnosed with lupus. Wow. Um, yeah, made it for my, made it as like a love letter to my mom who suffers from lupus. So if oh, anyone wow. wants to support indie cinema, check out um, award-winning short film on, on Amazon, Standing Eight, completely spelled out, Standing Eight. And and uh, where can people follow you guys? I'm, I'm mostly, on, I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Insta. So at Kazi Toganus, at K-A-Z-Y-T-A-U-G-I-N-A-S on Insta. And then I'm official Kazi Toganus on Facebook, which I never use because Facebook is a junkyard. Yes, I agree. And uh, uh, and how about and you have a, Mr. Rob? Well, I, I had to look up my Instagram <laughs> <laughs> uh, username, which is spindip25. But based on that, uh introduction i think you can imagine i don't use it very much spin dip two five yes but um if you if you want uh to follow shimmer the movie on or it's it's on facebook the shimmer movie on facebook and then on instagram it is shimmer the movie and then there's also shimmer the movie.com and uh and also my name robciano.com which is updated less frequently than my instagram so Got it. Yeah. Shimmerthemovie.com. That's actually what I looked at first. And you can see the trailer on there. You can see the information on how to watch it. And um, it's very cool. You can get a sense of, of the, the film. Thank you so much, you guys, for being on here. This was really cool. Wonderful rough day and showbiz stories. Thank you for having us. This was really great to be on here. This was a lot of fun. Rob and Kazi. Woo! <laughs> Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network.